I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense in 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Hello and welcome to episode three of Mile High Magic. I'm Nikki Jabvala here with Michael Spencer, um, talking all things Broncos, and we're finally in week one, looking ahead to the season opener against the Raiders in Oakland. We survived. We did it. We made it. Yay, we made <laughs> Congratulations, it. football Woo! fans. It's finally back. <laughs> the preseason <laughs> is finally over. Um, and they have a roster, a roster that looks a lot different than it did um, two days ago, even. And we kind of knew that was going to happen, yes. right? Yes. We talked about that on our last podcast, that the 52-man roster at the time uh, was going to change a lot. And it did. And it started uh, with, I think, maybe the most important position or maybe the one that everybody was looking at, uh, that backup quarterback spot, right? And, right. and I think the Broncos... Um, we knew they were going to have to bring in somebody. They ended up bringing in Brandon Allen. And to me, it was a bit of a surprise only because you brought in a guy who's never taken a snap in the regular season. Uh, we know that he has the Sean McVay connection, which in the NFL gets you a lot. Uh, anybody who has ever been in the same building as Sean McVay seems to have a higher prestige than those who have not. Um, but Nikki, my biggest takeaway from the Brandon Allen signing was that it was a huge slap in the face to Kevin Hogan. Like a monster slap in the face to a guy who got the majority of the number two reps during the preseason. And then the Broncos basically said, eh, you still weren't good enough for us. We're going to go get a guy who's never even taken a regular season snap. That is correct. Um, I kind of felt bad for Kevin Hogan. I mean, he worked his butt off in camp and preseason. His his play in in preseason, though, was up and down. I mean, he'd have these really good throws and he'd – you know, lead the Broncos on some scoring drives, probably not enough scoring drives to satisfy the coaching staff. Um, but then he'd have two picks. And, you know, they weren't all his fault, obviously, but nonetheless, um, it, it was just inconsistent. And, and that was kind of the – that's what Vic Fangio said after every game. It, it, for both him and Brett Rippon, actually. Um, it was just inconsistent. Now that – we don't know if Brandon Allen's going to be any different, um, but he did have, what, 162 yards against the Broncos um, in the preseason game in L.A. Uh, I think he had, like, a 90.2 rating. He didn't have a touchdown pass. Uh, he was, like, what, uh, 12 of 19, I want to say, in that game. Um, he's been in the league for four years, has not taken uh, a regular season snap, as you mentioned, um, but he has spent the last couple of years learning Sean McVay's system, which is, you know, Sean McVay came up through the Mike Shanahan tree and, you know, it's, his system is pretty different from Rich Scangarello's, but I guess there are some things that are, you know, probably similar. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of a, to me, it's kind of a shot in the dark. I mean, it, you might have good recommendations. He, he, you like what he saw in that one preseason game, but now he's got one week to acclimate and be literally one snap away from, you know, being 
ready to take over for Joe Flacco. So, And obviously the Broncos liked what they saw from Allen when they played him in that preseason game because I think that probably weighed heavily into why they decided to make that move and why they specifically decided to get him. The other thing that factors into that is is their cap space. And, you know, with him you get a lower number in terms of Brian Hoyer, you know, who obviously was getting a lot of love, I think, from Broncos fans and from media alike as maybe a potential guy that they could bring in who's a veteran, who's played in the league, um, but but his number is a lot bigger in, in terms of his salary. And so with, with Allen, you get something that maybe fits to this franchise's needs a little bit more in that regard. I'm, I'm curious, though, if they end up getting another third quarterback down the road eventually. Um, so they have two now. Drew Locke's going to go on IR. Um, and it remains to be seen if he comes back after eight games or if they decide to leave him down for the full season and you know re- resume his development next year. Um, if they do that, they have the option of bringing up Brett Rippon or bringing on another different Back up. Um, just keep the cycle going in Denver. Um, <laughs> so we'll we'll see. I mean, it's I I always just assume they would have to carry three quarterbacks on this roster just because, you know, the the guys that they had behind Joe Flacco were inexperienced. They were young, and you always worry about health at the position. Um, but they're going to open with two. It looks like, and from there we'll see what happens. But they also added. Um, they claimed three other guys off waivers. Um, Deontay Spencer, former CFL record holder, um, a small but fast receiver returner um, who could be very valuable on special teams, and he kind of takes the spot of River Craycraft, who was waived as a result. Um, they claimed Corey Levin from the Titans, um, another center guard. He's going to be their third reserve, it looks like, a guy that can – um, be kind of that versatile interior lineman. And then Andrew Beck, um, a tight end from the Patriots. He's probably going to be more of that fullback, H-back type. And John Elway said they, they would scour the waiver wire for a guy like him um, as they wait for Andy Janovich to get healthy. He's, he's still dealing with a pectoral muscle injury, um, so he might miss you know, the first two to three weeks, I'd say. Um and then they added two new inside <laughs> linebackers, two familiar faces, Keyshawn Bieria, Corey Nelson is coming back. He was probably their top reserve at the position um, in Wade Phillips' defense behind Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis and previously Brandon Marshall and uh, Danny Trevathan. So he's back. Um, and now they have two new cornerbacks, uh, Devontae um, Harris, who just signed this, this morning on a two-year deal. Uh, former fifth-round pick by the Bengals, um, All-American out of Illinois State, and Duke Dawson, who we addressed a little bit on the mm-hmm. last podcast, um, former second-round pick by the Patriots. So a lot of turnover in the last couple days. I haven't checked the number recently, but I know on Sunday night it was 19 players who were on the roster yes. this year who weren't on the roster last season. Correct. You're, are you doing the quick math in your head? Yes, is that what I saw is, you doing? It is 19. Um, it's not a, that actually isn't significantly higher than it was in past years. I, I think the turnover within the last 48 hours has been very different. Yeah. And a lot of it is because of injuries. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to compensate for Drew Locke, for 
Andy Janovich's timeout for uh, Jake Butt going on AR, IR with with another knee procedure. I mean, the erratic. Um, so they're they're trying to fill the void temporarily with some of these guys and, and kind of finding the best company, combination, as Vic Fangio would say. You know, the guy who I'm most excited about seeing of all those guys that we just listed is Deontay Spencer. Yeah. I mean, in, in the return game, and you were sitting there, it was funny, and we talked about it Saturday on our podcast. John Elway said, oh, yeah, River Craycraft's our guy, but we're going to continue for to now. look for, yeah. for returners, right? sinking feeling for <laughs> River when you hear that, right? And then it came, yeah. right? Like, the call, the call came, hey, you were our guy, and now you're no longer our guy. I think Deontay Spencer, he – just in watching some of his stuff in the preseason, he's the electric type, right? And, you know, we were watching it last night in the office in, in CBS4 here in Denver, and one of the guys said, oh, yeah, I can totally see why they replaced him. You know, like I can totally see why this guy is not River Craycraft. He is different. He brings a different dynamic, um, different speed set to the game. And so that's why they they made that move. And that was the area, one of the areas in this preseason where we continued to look at, like, what are they going to do at punt returner? Now I think they have their punt returner solidified, at least certainly heading into week hopefully, one. Hopefully. Yeah. And he, hopefully he doesn't turn into, like, another Isaiah McKenzie for his sake um, and the Broncos. But Why are you going to knock on Isaiah McKenzie, I mean, man? I'm just... <laughs> he, he's a, he's an older guy, though. He, he's 27. Yeah. Um, he came in as a free agent out of Maitney State. Um, then went on to the uh, Canadian Football League. He set a single-game CFL record for 496 all-purpose yards in a game for Ottawa in 2017. Um, he, he signed a futures contract with the Steelers, so he's with them all preseason. And I think he ranks seventh in the league in preseason with 103 punt return yards on seven attempts, including a team-high, uh, a team-long, rather, a 38-yard return, also had a 35-yard kickoff return, so... You know, if, if he can do that consistently, that could be a real boon for the Broncos and, and fill a hole that has been there for years. For years. Yeah. For yeah. years. And that would be so beneficial yeah. for this team really as a whole. Yeah. Um, and so you want somebody back there that has sure hands and that can maybe make a play for you too. Yeah. And and that would be a huge, huge difference for them than what we've seen in the past couple of years. I think the impact of special teams is always felt when they make mistakes. And much like the offensive line. It's like when you don't talk about them, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when you have to talk about them, it's really bad. I mean, we brought up the – or you brought up the, the Patriots trifecta game um, where it was like nothing but special teams gas. <laughs> And it just really affected them throughout the season. So they need to get that return game figured out. And I think that's the special teams is also probably why they brought back Keyshawn Bieri and Corey Nelson. Those mm-hmm. are two key guys for them um, in coverage. So And I think that's huge, too, because, you know, we heard Vic Fangio say earlier in the preseason, I think it was a couple weeks ago, he was like, look, if we can't get this figured out on special teams, we're going to have to play starters there. And no, nobody wants that. So now they're bringing back guys who – no, are, are pretty familiar with the organization, maybe not with the system per se, but are still pretty familiar with the organization. They're guys who have been here, who have that experience, and who they know can provide uh, opportunities and, and plays and snaps on special teams. And so I think that's huge and part of the reason why they ended up bringing back Corey Nelson and, and yeah. Keyshawn. I think it, it, it also kind of re-raises the concern about Todd Davis. Um I know he told people after the preseason finale that he thought he'd be ready for week one. Um, I've heard that may not be the case from some other people. So we'll see. He hasn't practiced at all. We'll see if he practices today. Today's their first. Um, they they usually practice in the afternoon here. Um, but it's their first one in advance of 
their Monday night opener. So he's got to get on the field before he can play in Oakland. Um, but that's may also be why they brought in Nelson. They also got Joe Jones dealing with an injury. So, and then at quarterback, I'm kind of curious to see how they use those guys. They're kind of, they're versatile, very fast guys. Both of them are like four, four guys. Um, so we'll see how that kind of shakes out. But let's do some fun stuff. All right, let's do it. We're going to go over and under okay. on some predictions for the 2019 season for the Denver Broncos. Okay, and we're going to start with quarterbacks used this season. This is, <laughs> this is, we'll take regular season snaps. Okay, not not waiver wires. Does one kneel down count? You uh, know? The Chad Kelly special? The Trevor Simeon special, <laughs> yes. Does that count? Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. Why not? Let's All right, so over it. under on quarterbacks used this season, we're going to set it at two and a half. Where are you going over or under two and a half quarterbacks used this year by the Broncos? Am I going first? Yeah. Over. 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 You think it's going to be three, four, five? I'm putting it at three. Gosh, I hope it's no more than that. <laughs> um... um this is always hard because I feel like, you know, you're predicting some guy to get injured and that's not a great thing. Um, I I would be surprised if Joe Flacco um, is available for the full season, which means you're either going to put in Brandon Allen or some other guy. I kind of think at this point that Drew Locke is going to stay down for the season. I mean, if he's – the downside, of course, is that he can't practice, but um, I, I think his injury is significant for his position. So – if Flacco goes down, you bring in Brandon Allen. Maybe you're not impressed or it's not consistent. You go to number three. Whoever that is, I have no idea. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've just seen this scenario play out for how many years Especially now, so. here, yeah. yeah I, I mean, think I think of that quarterback carousel graphic that I mean, we've seen on some of the broadcasts. 20, 2017 know? was pretty epic. I hope we don't have to relive that. Um <laughs> Let's just rotate through all three of them <laughs> twice around. Is there somebody um, else who used to play quarterback here that we can bring back just for old time's sake? Let's practice these right, days. He's right. still available, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going over on that one. All right, I'm going under. I'm oh. going under. I'm I'm buying Optimist. into the Joe Flacco. I think that, you know, obviously he only played nine games last year in Baltimore, but the two seasons prior to that, he played all 16 for the majority of his career. He has played all 16. I'm not saying he's going to play all 16 this year, but I do think that, that it'll be two um, at most. And so I'm going So who's, it, who's his backup going under there. If, if he doesn't play all 16? Well, Who I'm, steps in? you're obviously much more knowledgeable on this than I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm not giving up hope on Drew Locke. Now I'm biased. Uh-huh. I'm a Missouri guy. Drew Locke's from Mizzou. Oh, I'm not. Boy. I'm not giving up hope okay, that no. that's coming back. No. You're cutting me off. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll move <laughs> on. Uh, number two touchdown passes for Joe Flacco this season, and uh, Vegas has the number on this at 16 and a half. For comparison, he had 12 last year in nine games in Baltimore. Had 18 the season before when he had all 16 games. So 16 and a half touchdowns this season. I'll go first on that one. I'm going under. I'm going um, over. You're going over? Yeah, I explain your under, though. First. Okay, well, I think that, that 16 is probably where he will be. Um, I was going to set the number probably at like maybe 15 and a half. I think the running game will be a little bit better. 
Um, I think that Devontae Booker, um, Royce Freeman, obviously Philip Lindsay there, I think they're going to have a lot to say in that. And I think that we could be in for some really ugly games too based on this defense, how good it is. Um, and I'm not totally sold on this offense. So 16 and a half is, is the number and I'm going under on that. But I think it will be close. I'm going over. Um, you mentioned the rushers. I think they're going to be used more in the passing game. So I think they could be involved there some. I think as the season progresses, I think Noah Fant will really come along. It'll start to click for him. I think he could be a real red zone threat. Um, I'm feeling optimistic on this one. I'm going over. Okay. All Wait, right. hold on. Let me check what. Oh, what? No, no, you I can't hedge your bets. You already, you already I'm, walked away I'm from the window. I'm curious. How many did Peyton Manning have in the year? Oh, yikes. Okay. He only had nine in the 10 games he played during the 2015 season. I'm just thinking, you know, worst case scenario, so the offense. Just you're all over craters. the place here because you think they're going to use three quarterbacks, yet you still think that Joe Flacco is going to throw for 17 or more touchdowns. Listen, I have high hopes for Joe Flacco. I just, I'm also a realist. Okay, uh, Philip Lindsay rushing yards. That's our next category. 850 is where we're setting the over under. Where are you going? I'm going over, but not by much. <laughs> <laughs> 851. Um, yeah. 851. Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah, I'm going over. Um, and and the only reason I, I'm not going over by a lot, because I think he's still capable of kind of replicating last season, is I think Royce Freeman yeah. will have a bigger role this year. Um, he should have a bigger role. I think for Philip Lindsay's sake, he should have a, Philip, a bigger role. So, um, yeah, I'm going barely over. I'm going under. And, and here's why. This is not a knock on Philip Lindsay. He had 1,037 last year, also had 241 receiving yards. I think his receiving yards are going to be higher, and that will bring down his rushing yards. I also think that Royce Freeman, being healthy for the majority of the season, which he was not last year, will play into that. I think they will use Royce Freeman more. And I think they're going to put Philip Lindsay all over the field. And so I think his receiving yards are going to be higher. That's going to bring down his rushing yard total. So I'm going under 850 on the season for Philip Lindsay in terms of rushing yards. I accept that. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate your approval yep. there. Uh, last one on the offensive side. Well, last one in terms of offensive playmakers per se. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, one thousand. Oh wait, we have one more. We oh, have two more. Do we, well, right. We right. have two very important ones. Okay. Uh, okay. Start with Emmanuel. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, one thousand receiving yards over under on the season. I am going to go under. Here, Emmanuel hasn't had a thousand thousand yards receiving since the 2016 season. Um, obviously, he's been hampered by injuries. Only played in 12 games in 2017. Had 555 yards that year. Last year, only played in 12 games as well. Had 868. Um, he's obviously coming off the injury. I think that teams are going to be wary of that. Um, and I think that that he's going to be close to a thousand. I think he'll be in the 800 mark. Uh, but I think he's going under 1,000 receiving yards for the season, even though we know that's his goal, that's his bar, that's where he sets it. I'm going to go under as well. Um, I was looking back at last year because he had 868 in 12 games. He was on pace for well over 1,100. Um, but I, I think the younger guys behind him too will have a greater impact in the passing game. So I, I am, like you, kind of worried about his availability with his – his ankle, his other Achilles. Um, I, I just want to see if he's going to be able 
to remain healthy for the full season. Um, and then I think the, the load is going to be shared, um, at least you hope anyway, that Cortland Sutton yeah. has a greater impact. Deshaun uh, Hamilton too. Deshaun Hamilton can have a big year. Tim Patrick is another one. Um, he had an impressive kind of breakout season last year, but I think he could have a bigger role. And like you mentioned earlier, I, I think the running backs are going to be involved more in the passing game. So I'm going to go under. I think he'll still have a good year, just not maybe 1,000 yards. But close, close. right? Yes. Aren't you, aren't you yeah. with me there? Yeah. Yes. Uh, do you want to go with our other offensive one now, or you want to wait? I feel like that should be the last one. That okay, we we'll, do. Wait. we'll okay, wait. Okay, we'll we got a special it. one coming up. Yeah. Uh, let's switch over to the defensive side uh, and talk about Von Miller and sack totals uh, for this season. And you and I set the number at thirteen for the over under. Where are you going for Mr. Miller? Oh, I'm going under. Um, not because I think he's going to have a worse season. I think Von has actually had very impressive seasons since his Super Bowl year. Um, but I think Bradley Chubb is going to have a monster season. Um, and I, I think those two are going to kind of play off each other. And I think Chubb is going to end up with more sacks, so that doesn't necessarily mean he'll have a better season. Um, I think Vaughn is going to have a more complete season than he's had for himself in years past. And, and I think that's one of the things he, he wants to, like he feels like he doesn't, not that he doesn't get enough credit, but you know, everybody looks at the sacks and they kind of forget, you know, what is he doing in the run game? Um, if he's used in coverage, which I hope is not a ton, um, how does he do? I mean, is he setting up other opportunities for other guys? So um, I'm going under, but you know, again, not, by much. I'm with you here. And for all the reasons that you just said, I think Vaughn coming off 14 and a half season, uh, 14 and a half sacks last year. You got Bradley Chubb coming off 12 sacks last year. And look at Vaughn, right? Like look back to Vaughn's rookie season. He only played 15 games, missed a game, finished with 11 and a half. And then that number jumped to 18 and a half in his second season. And I think we could see that from Bradley Chubb. I expect Bradley Chubb to be more than 15 probably. Um, and that obviously is going to take away from Vaughn. So I'm with you 100% on that. It's not anything about Vaughn. I don't think Vaughn is going to regress necessarily. Yeah. Um, and I think it's almost unfair to him that everybody just looks at that sack number and says, oh, well, Vaughn's really been struggling, blah, blah, blah. But what we've heard from Vic Fangio time and time again is Vaughn Miller can get better. Yeah. Not necessarily that the numbers can get better, but as a player overall, he can get better. So I'm with you 100% there because I think Bradley Chubb will have a better better season and I think that will will decrease Vaughn's yeah. sack numbers just a little bit so I'm going under the 13 there uh defensive takeaways as a whole 28 and a half is is where you and I decided was a good number for the over under here for the Broncos heading into 2019 so the Broncos tied for fifth last year with 28 and Fangio's Bears had a league high 36 um now if we go Back a couple years with the Broncos, they had seven, only 17 in 2017. They had 27 in each of the Wade Phillips years. I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go over. Um, because I, I think with Vic's defense will make a big difference. And I actually think the players they have in the secondary, coupled with the edge rushers, they have on the whole is better than what the Bears had last year, even with Khalil Mack 
uh, who is an you know incredible talent. But I think collectively, I would argue that they have more talent, and so I'm gonna go over. I w- we should have set the number higher then, because I'm gonna go over too. And it's funny on my sheet, I had it, I had it at 30, and then yeah. I dropped it to 29 and a half, and then you convinced me to drop it to 28 and a half because we were looking at their number last year. Uh, so I think it's it's gonna be over that 28 and a half. I think with this team, their knack for taking away the ball. I think we talked about Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Obviously, um, they're gonna have to throw at somebody, right? So whether it's Chris Harris Jr., who they probably won't throw at. And he'll probably complain about five games into the year. I don't know why teams don't throw at me anymore. Well, Chris, it's because you're too good, yeah. right? It's because they're smart and they want to keep the ball away from you. I think Justin Simmons could have a really big year. And if, we, if he carries over what we saw in camp, yes. he could have a huge year in takeaways. Yeah, and so I think that he's going to be a big reason why that number, I think, in my mind, is going to be yeah. over. I don't know that they'll get over 30. Um, I think they'll probably be right at that 29, 30 number, um, but I'm putting them over the, the 28 and a half. 30, the last time they had 30 was 2009. Um, wow. They're 28. Really? Wow. I wouldn't yeah. have guessed that. That's that's a long time. Yeah. They're 28 last year. You know, they that was their highest since. But one thing about Chris Harris, and he's one of my favorite players to watch and to talk to because he's brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I, I will not understand, though, and I, I understand it to agree. I shouldn't say that, but... I know he wants his numbers, and I don't think that's, you know, selfish. I, I think, you know, you you work this hard, you want to get your own. Um, but he could go down as probably the greatest slot receiver in the game. Um, and I, I've never – he pushes back on playing slot a lot because you don't get the numbers, right? But I'm like, why, why not go down as – one of the greatest at a certain position versus having like two more picks. Is it, is it because we look at the numbers kind of like we were talking about with Vaughn, Probably right? the like, PFF. Yes. You know, it's, it's a very analytics focus. And I think, you know, the contracts are tied to numbers. Yeah. You know, his incentives were tied to, you know, some of these accolades and numbers and all that. And I get it. I totally get it. I mean, you want to get the bigger contract. You want to get more money who doesn't in any profession. Um, but it would be really awesome to be known as the well, greatest corner. And I'm with you, but I don't, I don't know that, that Chris feels like he can be in that conversation unless he gets the numbers. Right. Right. You know, Probably I mean, so. lockdown, lockdown corners, they, they're lockdown corners for a reason because they're really good. But then when you look at the numbers, sometimes they don't add up. And so I think a lot of guys just look at that and, and look at that number and, you know, five, ten years from now when people are comparing, okay, generational players, they're going to go back and point at the numbers. And fair or not, that's what they're going to do. So I think that's part of the reason why, because I'm with you, I think if he if he's stuck in the slot, he could go down as one of the best slot corners ever, if not the best, but he's not going to maybe have the numbers to back it up. Right. And so I think that's what he's looking at, saying, hey, man, I would rather have the pick numbers than – than the than maybe the the unofficial title yep. of of best slot corner ever. Yep. Moving on. All right. Do we have any more defensive ones? Um. Nope. Oh, it's time for the big. It's one. Time for the big one. Let's do this. Drum roll. Garrett Bowles holding penalties for 2019, and uh, we have some some facts to to back up where we got this number from. Yeah, so each of the last two years, he had seven accepted holding penalties, which was tops in the league. 
Um, so that's why we set it at six and a half. Um, I am feeling optimistic. <laughs> I am going under. Um, not by much, but I'm by going six. under. At six? You think it's yeah, it's six? gonna be six. Um, I don't know. Maybe Mike Munchak has an effect on him. Um, I think with him, it's all about consistency. You know, if you have a mistake, don't let it snowball and just become like a long-term thing. Um, I think maintaining his mental focus is probably more important than anything with him because he has the athletic ability. Um, he has the teaching at this point. Um, and he's, he has experience now with two years under his belt. So, um, I hope it improves. I hope for his sake, the Broncos sake, I mean, they, they need it. The mistakes up front will, will kill them. Um, so I'm going under, but not by a whole lot. The, the Broncos and Garrett Bowles need this to be under. Yeah. Right? Like you cannot continue to have him lead the league and holding penalties yeah. for a third straight Well, and if year. he doesn't show drastic improvement there. There might be I a mean, change. Well, there could be a change and, you know, this is – after this season, they have to decide on his fifth year, which they may have decided already. But, you know, if you're going to sway any decision, that would probably be one of the biggest factors. Yeah, so I think that I'm with you. I think it's going to be under. I think he will still have some holding penalties. But I think he knows that's something he needs to work on. I think Mike Munchak obviously knows that everybody knows that's something he needs to work on. I think that's why they brought Mike Munchak in. We talked about this on our last episode. I don't know that he can be a savior, um, but I think he can help. And I, gosh, it's almost one of those where like you're, you're, you're taking this with your heart because you just hope for his sake and for this organization's sake that it's under that six and a half. All right. You want to do some quick hit? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Season record, what do you got? Season record, I have them right now at eight and eight, uh, and I think that's. I, I feel like that's a bit yeah. copping out, um, but I think that's kind of where they are. They are just middle of the road. I think they'll get one or two bounces. I think San Diego's going to come down a little bit, especially with all that's happening with Melvin Gordon. Um, I think they're going to be really, really brutal games against Kansas City. I think the one thing you look at with this schedule, and okay, at least you have Kansas City at home on a short week. That is to your benefit. But other than that, um, you know, I think obviously the the division is is tough, especially with Kansas City at the top and and San Diego taking a step back. Okay, so what does that mean? They get ten wins. You know, I mean, they're still probably going to be in, in double digits. So I think they're at eight and eight. Um, and I think if they get a, a bounce that could go their way, that could go up to nine and nine and seven. Uh, but I think eight and eight is probably probably realistic for this team. I'm going with seven and nine. Um, Such a hater. I know. Um, <laughs> I think they're going to show improvement but i don't know that it will always show up in the record um you mentioned earlier with this defense i mean that 2015 defense they were so good that they had so many close games i think it's going to come down to that and i don't know that they have that extra firepower to actually win most of them um and the afc west is it's just tough yeah i mean the chiefs i i think the raiders they they always seem like a mess, but they have they have a lot of talent now, a lot of talent, um, and I think they could surprise some people. So I'm going seven and nine. Okay, who you got winning the division? This is pretty much the uh, easiest Chiefs. question we've asked yeah. all day, right? Chiefs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, until somebody beats them, they won the last three years. Yeah. 
They and, just seem to add more and more talent. Yeah. Now they got Shady McCoy back, yeah. So until Peyton Manning comes back to yeah. the AFC West, right, I'm riding, right. riding with the Chiefs. <laughs> um, offensive MVP. Are we doing just Broncos or league wide? Uh, we can do either or both. I think the offensive MVP for the Broncos, and he kind of falls in the in the most improved category. And I'm gonna go with with Cortland Sutton. Actually, I think that he could be a guy who is relied upon because of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and I think he's a guy that could be the big difference in this team. If he has a big year, I think this team could have a big year too. So um, I'll go with Cortland Sutton as my offensive MVP for the Broncos. I'm going with Flacco. Um, I don't I don't know that he's a 34-year-old in his prime like Elway does, but I do think he has enough weapons and I – think he looked good in camp um and he's a smart player um I, I think he has a real chance to have a good season here um and it all starts with him I mean it all starts with the line but you know mostly starts with him yeah my defensive MVP for the Broncos is going to be Bradley Chubb yeah, I really same. expect him to have a big season um a big second year and and I think that he is going he, I think he is so primed and so yeah. ready to have just a breakout year. Yeah. And I'm so looking forward to watching I mean, we got the Sundays. teaser in preseason. Yes. I mean, he's just, he's got all of it. Like, he's he's got the size, the athleticism, the speed, the power. Mentally, he knows. I mean, he's just got the right instincts. And he's he's already like a, a, a seasoned veteran, you know. He acts like a seasoned veteran. Um, he's not somebody that you have to coach up a ton or – you know, he's he's mature, um, and you, you see it off the field, you see it in his play, and I think him and Von Miller could be, you know, the next great pass rushing duo in Denver, and there have been a lot of them here in recent years, so I'm going with Chubb, too. Yeah, and my honorable mention there would be Justin Simmons for all the reasons that we talked about yep. earlier. I think he could, he could have a really, really big season yep. in that secondary. Um, and if, if those guys, and I think it kind of works hand in hand, right? Like if Chubb's wrestling the passer really well, I think that's going to open things up for that secondary, um, and create some opportunities for them to get turnovers. So Justin Simmons get my, gets my honorable mention. I'm going to, I'm going to throw in Wolf as my honorable. Okay. Yeah. Of course it's, it's dependent on his health. Um, you know, he's, he's had some pretty serious things over the years um but he played a full season last year he he says he feels healthy now um i think his play on the line kind of gets overlooked um especially in how he sets up opportunities for vaughn and chubb um and i don't know i i think he could have a pretty significant impact on fangio's defense so breakout star breakout star um i'm gonna go royce freeman just because Ooh, I, like. I think I think that he could, if he's healthy, um, I think he's going to take some of Philip Lindsay's role, like we talked a little bit about earlier. Um, I think he's a guy that can hit the holes up the middle, um, and so I think he could be the breakout star and and really kind of show what he showed at Oregon, where he had uh, obviously a lot of tread on the tires, um, but I think he could be a breakout this year, especially coming off a, a rookie season where he unfortunately couldn't stay healthy. I'm going with Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah. I know a lot of people are talking about Cortland Sutton, and rightfully so. Um, but just watching Deshaun, um, his his rapport with Flacco, just their chemistry in the passing game already. 
Um, I think he's obviously a very polished route runner. I, you know, not the fastest guy they have back there, but I, I, I think he is in a position, especially if he's used to the slot more, or if he's, you know, if anything happens to Emmanuel, I think he's a guy that could really have a productive year. Of course, if he could stay healthy, which I feel like is a caveat for pretty much every guy. Right. Uh, right. So I'm going with him. Uh, last one, most improved. My most improved, I'm going a little bit off the grid here, but I'm going Isaac Yadam. Uh, And I think that he had a really good preseason, uh, had that interception against the 49ers. I think that he's a guy who could really kind of take a step um, in the right direction. Obviously, had, you know, like everybody, had some injuries last year um, and had some issues there. But I think that he could be a guy that really kind of takes a big next step forward. Um, in addition to all the guys that we've talked about, the yeah. Cortland Suttons, the, the Justin Simmons, and the Bradley Chubbs of the world, uh, I think Isaac Adams, a guy who was kind of under the radar, who could have a, a sneaky good season. I'm going to actually go with Cortland on this one. Um, he had such an impressive training camp last year, just in terms of sheer athleticism, um, that it set the bar high for his first season. I think a lot of rookie receivers just kind of struggle in that first year. Um, and when he was, you know, had to take on the number one corner every game when Emmanuel was out and DT was traded, you could see it, it affected his game. Um, I think he'll be most improved. I don't think he's going to, you know, come close to scratching his ceiling though. So I think the bar is always going to be raised each year for him. Um, but I, I think we'll see more out of him just in terms of, his routes, you know, can he be more than just the go route, 50-50 ball type guy? Um, so he's my guy there. So You know what stands out about all these guys that we've talked about is the, the second-year players yeah. especially. Yeah. I mean, you think of, of that draft class in 2018, and we knew they had high expectations coming into their rookie seasons. And for the most part, I mean, they, they lived up to it. I don't know that there were – there's anybody that you're looking at like, oh, well, he had really a down year. I mean, there were some guys who you thought maybe you expected a little bit more from. But I think this is the year where those guys really transition. you got to remember, coming in as a rookie is tough, yeah. right? You don't get the rest. you got to play in all the bowl games leading up to uh, the draft. And then you come in, you're kind of getting your sea legs ready and, and figuring out what life is like in the NFL. This is the year where I really expect that 2018 draft class as a whole to have a huge impact on this franchise. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And with that, that's a wrap. We got to go out to practice. Um, So since this is the first podcast of the week, um, it is available for free on iTunes and Spotify. If you want to subscribe to Mile High Magic, which obviously we highly encourage, um, go to theathletic.com slash milehighmagic and you can get it there. Um, we'll be back later in the week to talk more Broncos. Greater so, week. Yeah. All right. Talk to you soon.